Section 17 of the Roman Triumvirates by Charles Merivale. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8. Tyranny and Death of Caesar. Part 1. The suicide of Cato forms a dignified close to the liberties of Rome. Both in life and death, he was a representative man, and viewing the subject from our point of view, we can hardly wish that the bravest champion of the ancient polity should have allowed his career to be protracted under the conditions which would have been thenceforth imposed upon it. Nevertheless, it is only just to the conqueror to observe that Cato had nothing to fear for his life or personal freedom under the dictator and imperator. Caesar lamented, that he had lost the satisfaction of pardoning him his treason to the constituted public authority, while to his comrades in arms he exhibited the same clemency which had so long distinguished him. Nevertheless, unnecessary and useless as this celebrated act of self-sacrifice may appear, it has done more, perhaps, to exalt the free state and degrade the empire in the imagination of later generations than could have been effected by a supine or sullen acquiescence in evil fortune. A superstition has at times prevailed that an injured man, in committing suicide, may fasten an avenging demon on the author of his calamities. Stained with the blood of Rome's best son, the victor of Thapsus returned to his country vitiated and debased. The honours which a subservient senate now heaped upon him have lowered him in the eyes of posterity even more than they exalted him in those of his contemporaries after uniting to the african province a part of numidia and placing the remaining portion in the hands of his own allies the dictator repaired once more to italy at the end of july b c forty six he was received as the conqueror of a foreign enemy statues rose in his honour one fronted the altar of Jupiter in the capital. Another stood on a globe and was inscribed in the Greek language, for the idea was still Hellenic only, to Caesar the demigod. The seventh month of the year, the fifth of the most ancient calendars, exchanged its name Quintilis for that of Julius. The dictatorship was now conferred upon Caesar for ten years and was presently settled upon him for life. He received the censorship under a slightly different title, which gave him power to revise the list of knights and senators, to degrade whom he would, to thrust whom he would into the highest orders of citizens. He was to nominate many of the chief magistrates hitherto elected by the people, and to appoint the governors of diverse provinces, which had been the prerogative of the Senate. The title of Imperator was prefixed to his name, and the laurel wreath, which was given to him, it is said, to disguise his baldness, became a more signal symbol of power than the regal diadem, which alone was withheld from him. Nor was he ashamed to arrogate to himself the name of father of his country, the most glorious appellation a free people can bestow, which had been conferred by decree upon Camillus, by acclamation upon Cicero. Of all these titles the most remarkable was the prefix of Imperator, which has thus descended through many generations even to our own times, 
and still bears a political significance as popularly conveying the idea of a despotic ruler but such was by no means strictly the meaning attached to it by the romans of the period before us the imperium from which it was derived was no doubt the rule of a master but this rule might be delegated by law and controlled by appropriate checks the consul was himself subject to the law nevertheless he possessed the imperium for certain purposes under the restraint of election by the people and of eventual responsibility to them the commander of a legion had the imperium or military control of his soldiers and of the province in which they served and he received the title of imperator but his authority was limited in place in time and in object his title conferred legitimately by the senate was ratified by the less regular acclamations of his soldiers when he gained them a victory the imperator of an army in a province abroad bore the title after his own name as with any other limited magistracy caesar as proconsul of gaul was kaiser imperator in relation to the legions with which he conquered gaul but when he became consul and dictator in the city he was no longer the ruler of a province or the commander of a provincial army chief of the state at home he was at the same time engaged in the defence of the whole empire against foreign or domestic foes in every quarter he was rendered by the force of circumstances commander-in-chief of all the legions and his province was the empire itself such it would seem was the idea conveyed in the minds of the citizens by prefixing the title to his name instead of appending it the distinction was real it was invented to meet an actual need and it was legitimately conferred by the senate itself a subservient no doubt but still a constitutional body the title so conferred bore little significance in the city cicero does not seem to make any reference to it caesar did not stamp it on his coins it was directed towards foes and foreigners not towards the citizens some generations later the reigning emperors could still insist warmly on the constitutional distinction between the imperator over the soldiers and the prince or premier among the citizens this distinction was indeed too soon lost the authority of the imperator came to be regarded as supreme over every class and order in the state but it should not be forgotten that suetonius and dion cassius who boldly assert that caesar himself received the title in token of his despotic sovereignty speak in the sense of their own later times and are no proper exponents of its original and legitimate signification pompeius had triumphed thrice caesar now claimed an accumulation of four triumphs the first for his conquest of the gauls the second for his defeat of ptolemaeus the third for his victory over pharnaces the last for the overthrow of juba he condescended to respect the maxim of his countrymen that a civil war can earn no such popular distinctions and refrained from celebrating the public catastrophe at pharsalia these four solemnities were kept with a few days interval between each the procession formed again and again in the compass hence it defiled through the triumphal gate at the foot of the capitoline 
in crossing the Wallabrum, the imperator's car broke down a mischance which so affected him that he never again mounted a vehicle without muttering a charm the long march wound round the southern angle of the palatine to the point where the arch of constantine now stands there it mounted the gentle slope which leads under the arch of titus paved at this day with huge blocks of stone which may possibly have echoed to the tramp of caesar's legions inclining to the right at the summit of the wellia and facing the comitia and the rostra it passed the spot where the julian temple was afterwards erected thence it skirted the right side of the forum till it reached the point just beyond the arch of severus where the two roads branched off the one to the capitoline temple the other to the mamertine prison caesar took the route of triumph to the left while his captive vercingetorix was led away to the right and strangled in the subterranean dungeon the gaulish hero doubtless met his fate with his well-tried courage and dignity while his conqueror was exhibiting a wretched spectacle of human infirmity crawling up the steps of the capitol on his knees to avert the wrath of an avenging nemesis the gaulish captive was undoubtedly slain it is said that other victims perished with him but the sons of juba seem to have been spared one of them at least survived as a tranquil student in the days of augustus arsinoe the sister of ptolemaeus and cleopatra was pardoned perhaps for the sake of the dictator's paramour for cleopatra herself followed her admirer to rome and was there entertained by him in high state the magnates of the city even cicero himself courted her favour the soldiers who attended on their general's chariot men of strange tongues and countenances gauls spaniards and africans chanted ribald songs with the license of the old roman legionaries in mockery of the leader whom they adored he smiled and paid them their expected gratuity of twenty thousand sesterces two hundred pounds apiece the largesse was extended in due proportion to the whole body of the unarmed citizens each of whom was well content with a present of four hundred the people of rome were entertained at a banquet spread on twenty-two thousand tables which may have accommodated two hundred thousand guests this festival was followed by shows in the amphitheatre and circus the multitude of beasts and gladiators who were almost indiscriminately sacrificed moved some pity even in the brutalized populace but the more thoughtful of them were doubly shocked by the license which caesar allowed to roman knights of combating in the arena it was all the worse perhaps that these combats were it seems almost wholly voluntary the violence of the times had engendered a thirst for violence and bloodshed liberius a knight who was required thus to exhibit himself complained of the indignity to himself but took no thought of its inhumanity caesar had long since commenced a great reconstruction of the interior of the city the ancient forum was contracted in space and the population had far outgrown the accommodation it afforded caesar had indeed himself erected his noble basilica on one side of it and encouraged aemilius paulus to confine it with another no less sumptuous directly opposite 
such large halls were of great convenience to the crowds who met together for public business in an open area exposed to all the vicissitudes of climate but the area itself required to be enlarged and the dictator had cleared away some buildings on its northern side enclosing the space thus acquired with colonnades and opening an entrance into it the julian forum as this area was denominated was adorned with a temple of venus the ancestress from whom the julian family was reputed to have sprung and with an equestrian statue of the imperator himself really a bronze effigy of alexander the great by lysippus with a new head on it which became one of the most notable features of the great city succeeding emperors augustus nerva and trajan made fresh additions to these public areas each giving his own name to the forum of his own construction till the centre of rome was expanded into one large open space divided only by public halls and temples while the issue of the african campaign was yet undecided gnaeus the elder son of pompeius had thrown himself into the iberian peninsula in which his father's interest was still strong and had there proclaimed himself not the liberator of the commonwealth but the avenger of his family's wrongs he had gathered around him adventurers of various kinds many even of caesar's veterans dissatisfied with their rewards had betaken themselves to his standard and some of the southern cities of the province had lent him the shelter of their walls caesar refused to recognize this new assailant as a legitimate enemy but when his officers failed to suppress the spirit of brigandage which animated the rebel host he at last took the field in person and allowed himself to treat them not as citizens but as outlaws or barbarians gnaeus indeed had set the example of ferocity for of all the leaders of the civil wars this man seems to have been the most sanguinary and brutal the contest was carried on mainly in the valley of the guadalquivir and the defiles of the sierra morena the struggle protracted for several months was closed however on the field of munda where caesar after encountering great personal danger gained at last a complete victory thirty thousand of the vanquished party perished among them were varus and labienus with many other nobles gnaeus escaped from the field gained the coast and put out to sea but being forced to land to get relief for an accidental hurt having cut his foot in releasing himself from a tangled rope he was discovered and killed after a miserable struggle of all the republican leaders sextus the younger son of pompeius was now the sole survivor in arms he hid himself in the wildest districts of the peninsula making alliance with roving bands of natives till occasion served for reappearing after some interval on the public scene for a time however he was forgotten or neglected caesar devoted some months to arranging the affairs of the western provinces and thoroughly crushing the republican faction in that quarter the battle of munda had been fought on march seventeenth b c forty five but the conqueror was not at liberty to return to italy before september in the following month caesar celebrated a fifth triumph which he pretended to have gained not over the citizens and the chiefs of the party opposed to him but over the still unconquered natives of the iberian peninsula 
he then proceeded to address himself to domestic reforms and projects of public benefit of which a general outline will be here sufficient among the first was the revision of the calendar a matter of great concern political as well as scientific the calendar of numa as it was called hitherto in use had assigned to the year a period of three hundred and fifty-four days with the intercalation every second year of a month of twenty-two and twenty-three days alternately which would have given an average of three hundred and sixty-five days and six hours so near had the ancient astronomers arrived to the precise length of the earth's revolution around the sun but another day it seems had been added to the three hundred and fifty-four to make an odd or fortunate number and to compensate for this excessive addition the number of intercalations was diminished by an intricate process much carelessness had prevailed in making the requisite corrections the pontiffs to whom the duty had been entrusted had abused it for political objects to favour the candidature of a partisan or to postpone the day when his debts might be demanded the control of the calendar had become an engine of state in the hands of the oligarchy and constituted one of the grievances of the plebs but latterly in the general confusion of affairs the pontiffs had generally abstained from intercalation the year had been restricted to its three hundred and fifty-four days the designated months and seasons had fallen far into arrear of the solar time so it was that the consuls who were appointed to enter upon office on the first of january b c forty six u c seven o eight actually commenced their functions on the thirteenth of october b c forty seven the roman seasons were marked by appropriate festivals on certain fixed days at the period of harvest and vintage seasonable offerings were to be made accordingly and this had now become no longer possible the husbandman was reduced to reject the use of the calendar altogether and to depend on his own rude observations of the rising and setting of the constellations but caesar had acquired a competent knowledge of astronomical science and discerned at the same time how popular a use he could make of it he availed himself moreover of the services of sosigenes the ablest astronomer of the day who divided the three hundred and sixty-five days of the old calendar among the twelve months in the order they have since retained and intercalated a single day as we still do every fourth year some error in the working of this system which was not attributable to himself caused another slight correction to be made a few years later it was not for several centuries that the further error was discovered and finally reformed by dropping this intercalation on the recurrence of certain centennial years as decreed by pope gregory the thirteenth and accepted in this country in the middle of the last century as regarded the actual crisis at which the roman calendar had arrived caesar added as many as ninety days to the year of the city seven o nine or b c forty five he inserted an intercalary month of twenty-three days between the twenty-third and twenty-fourth of february and at the end of november he added two new months each of thirty days together with a supplemental addition of seven days more the whole period thus comprised three hundred and fifty-five plus ninety or four hundred and forty-five days 
marked by this series of alterations it received vulgarly the appellation of the year of confusion but the last year of confusion it has been justly remarked would be its more appropriate title during the whole of this long year the dictator continued to preside over affairs at the centre of the empire and with his new enactments and projects rendered it perhaps the most illustrious in the roman annals his measures were principally directed to the enfranchisement of communities of classes and of individuals by which continued process he meditated the gradual fusion of the provinces into the city itself he added largely to the numbers of the senate which had been no doubt much reduced by the massacres of the civil wars we hear indeed of the senate dividing once or twice just before this period to the number of more than four hundred but caesar increased it at once to nine hundred doubtless he lowered the popular estimation of the august assembly by thus cheapening its honours but he still more degraded it in the eyes of the older citizens by pouring into it his allies from the provinces his rude gaulish soldiers and even if we may believe the stories of the day the captives who had just followed his triumph the romans exercised their wit on these upstart strangers losing themselves among the columns of the forum and posted placards recommending that no good citizen should show them the way to the senate house but the policy of abating the pride of the oligarchy and attaching foreigners to the state by opening to them its honours deserved a deliberate and patient trial which in fact it never received the same populace who mocked or resented this intrusion were willing to surrender to the great conqueror their own privilege of appointment to all public offices and he could hardly prevail upon them to give by their votes in the campus even a colour of free election to the men whom he recommended the consuls praetors and other officers continued to exercise their ordinary functions under the dictator's superintendence but as the avowed champion of the people caesar claimed the distinction of the tribunician power which also rendered his person legally inviolable and invested it with a certain religious sanctity in the eyes of the multitude he allowed himself to be surrounded by a bodyguard of noble citizens elsewhere the august privilege of kings only in the senate and other public places he seated himself on a golden chair in a robe of regal magnificence and the imperium or military supremacy which had been given him for his own life was rendered if we may believe some later writers transmissible to his children issue indeed of his own he had none unless caesario the child of cleopatra was really his and perhaps even the servile populace would have shrunk from giving themselves a master in the base-born offspring of a foreigner and an egyptian but caesar had a great nephew the promising young son of his niece by a roman noble who will soon come prominently upon the stage End of section seventeen